This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells with Dogman.com with Chris Vetter, Scott Eklund. We are still in, I don't know if you want to call it lockdown, quarantine, semi, but uh, for those out of town, a lot more cars on the road in Seattle the last few days, so hopefully we get out of this soon. Time for another podcast. We seem to have something going on all the time. A local kid who was uh, at the University of Michigan playing basketball has put his name in the transfer portal. Um, A local kid with a football recruit with an offer from LSU. Scott, an interesting article with one of the lesser known recruits in the class, did an opponent's viewpoint on that. Scott Eklund also puts in a new crystal ball for one of the local players and uh, coaches. Next week on a conference call, we'll cover all of that and more. First of all, Cole Badgham of the um, small forward shooting guard out of Linden High School uh, here locally, just up near Bellingham. He um, went to Michigan under the old coach, what was it, John Boleyn, I, I think was his name. And he got hired by the Cleveland Cavaliers and was since fired. But uh, Paul Bajima committed to the previous coach, kept his commitment at Michigan, and now he is in the transfer portal. Any surprise there, Chris Fetters? Um, no, I mean, he was a name that had been rumored that was thinking about going into the portal. And I mean, it, and it feels like every other player in America goes in the portal at one time or another in their careers, especially in basketball. So yeah, I'm not, not hugely surprised. I was a little surprised at the commitment to Michigan at the time because it, it felt kind of early in the process for him. Like he had just started to get some national attention and then wham. He just he makes the commitment. It's like oh, okay. It, it felt like it was just kind of just kind of bubbling to the surface for him. So, um, not surprised that he's in the portal. Um, obviously, when Washington fans hear about a local kid like Cole Bajma, who they thought would probably have some interest in Washington out of high school because his sister um, Kara played volleyball at Washington. You know, you there is a family connection there, obviously. Um, they thought there was going to be some interest there, so it's not surprising that Washington is certainly one of the schools that he has strong interest now that he's looking to go somewhere else. This is going to be an interesting follow because I think he's good enough to play in the Pac-12. I think he's good enough to play at University of Washington. Do they have room? I just don't know. Um, you know, with the addition of Terrell, I always call him Terrell Pryor, uh, Nate Pryor to the roster, as well as the transfer of Eric Stevenson and then the upcoming recruiting class, I just don't know if they're going to have room. Of course, you've got the superstar out here, Paulo Banchero, who many think will go to Washington because both of his parents went to Washington. Both of them played athletics at University of Washington. But there's also some talk that Paulo could go straight to the G League and play there depending on the contract offer. And we'll see what his parents have to say 
if indeed he does want to skip school. Nolan Hickman, the point guard up at Eastside Catholic, probably the most important recruit in the class that they're after right now. I know he's an incredibly high priority. He's a point guard, and if you're going to win big in college basketball, you have to have a quality point guard. Nolan Hickman is one of them, and also they're doing real well with uh, uh, Peyton Watson out of Long Beach Poly. He's a He's a really good basketball player, and they're doing really well with him. So would they have room for him? That's the big question when it comes to basketball. Uh, also, it just seems to be the coaches are spending most of their mornings on calls with the players. They're doing a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of academics. And, Chris, I'm sure you saw it on Twitter. A lot of guys making the uh, list for uh, getting it done in the classroom, and Quade Green was definitely one of them. Yeah, it's an interesting deal because it's kind of done weekly. So I'm not exactly sure what it all entails, but yeah, any any list that's an academic list for the Washington men's basketball team that includes Quad A Green, yeah, if you're a Washington fan, you got to be super happy about that. It, it first well, it means two things. First of all, it means that he's actually doing school, which I know a lot of people were concerned that once he had the academic difficulties and he was suspended, that he just might kind of throw it in and just go, you know what, I'm just going to go pro, go to Europe, go do something else. Um, the fact that he's sticking around and doing it is great. And then also, not only the fact that he's sticking around, but he's getting his business done. I think those are well, obviously great positive signs. Well, well, when you say stick around, he's sticking around the program, but he's not sticking around Seattle because he is back in Philadelphia, back home. And I think that was a little bit more of the concern, not here with people on it, with the watchful eye on him. But it sounds like they're keeping pretty well on top of him. He's getting it done, but he is back home in Philadelphia. So uh, I think yeah, that, but I mean, uh, he had a heart. Yeah. yeah, you look at but you look at the guys in New York. I mean, you, you look at the guys like Hamir. Uh, in Albany, you look at you know Nas Carter and Rochester. You, I mean, they're I mean guys are all spread all obviously they're all over Hell's Half Acre and beyond because of the virus. So yeah, I mean everybody's having to do it remotely. Point I just point being is he's he's still connected to the team even even remotely. He's still with the Washington program, which obviously is a positive sign. Scott Eklund, the big offensive lineman from O'Day High School, Owen Prentice, who's got a boatload of offers, was offered by LSU. What does that mean? Uh, it means he's got a good offer from the defending national champs. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're going to even play much of a factor for him when it comes to his decision on where he wants to uh, play his college football. He just named his top six relatively recently. Um, I think it was all Pac-12 teams, if I remember correctly: Stanford, Washington, Cal, USC, UCLA, and Arizona State. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was one other in there. There might have been Oregon in there, maybe. I think there was a top six. Anyway, whatever it was, it was almost all Pac-12. I don't see him leaving the region. I think uh, he's going to stay out here in the West. And I really think this is a Washington-Stanford battle, and it's pretty much neck and neck. I would say it's 50-50. No one leads. No one doesn't lead. You know, it's just kind of even between those two schools. He's a big academics guy. His brothers, and I think he has a sister too, they all went to uh, Ivy League schools. And I think that he and his family have all prioritized academics. And I think Washington, the only reason Washington's in this is because they're uh, they're the local school, a school that he grew up loving and, and all that. And they've got good academics. But, you know, you get a Stanford offer, especially as an offensive lineman, it's tough to turn that down. Even with their recent record of having some struggles, uh, not being quite the program that they were 
what six seven eight years ago but uh yeah he's he got the offer from lsu that's great but i really don't think it's going to play a factor in things and chris we've both been around recruiting a long time and you know we've had long discussions with uh former U- university of washington recruiting coordinator chuck heater when he was down at florida offers and commitments are different down in the sec you know a school like lsu to get gain an interest on a local kid up here in seattle that far away a lot of time the offer is just to capture the kid's attention to get him interested and remember what chuck said about kids who commit to sec schools it just means they're interested that's when the recruiting just starts so um Boy, I don't know. Scott Scott or Chris, do you guys think that if Owen Prentice said, yeah, I want to go to LSU, that they would take that offer on the spot? Boy, it's – I. if you say no, it, it, you're kind of saying that the kid isn't good enough, and I think he is good enough. I just think LSU's in on so many other really good offensive linemen that I don't know if they'd have have room for him at this point. They, they just – they're making sure – I think he's an offer now because they're making sure – that they're in on guys in case they do miss out on some of the the top guys on their board. How many guys like Owen Prentice are down in the LSU's recruiting territory in their footprint? How many guys like him are down there? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could say there's, you know, where there's one up here, there might be five or six for them and that helps. But the thing is, you know, Washington, Oregon, Oregon state, Washington state are kind of the schools that recruit this area, you know, have the ins, with a lot of these kids here in the in the state and recently Ohio State because of some of the things they've they've been able to do, but um, you know I, I think Washington, uh, you know LSU down there. If there's five guys, they also have the SEC, Big Twelve, and ACC all recruiting the same guys. So that's where yeah, there might be five in the in the area, but <laughs> they got a lot more competition for them. So maybe they figure coming up to Seattle, they don't have quite as much competition. And, and let's be honest, the PAC 12s uh, reputation the past couple of years has taken a shot and the SECs is about as high as it could ever be. And LSU just won a national championship. So maybe they think, Hey, let's throw our hat in the ring, see if we can get this kid interested and keep him on the line while we see what happens with our recruiting. And then, if he does show us some interest back, then um, if we miss out on some of our guys, we can swing around to him and reel him in. Hey, Scott, just to, just to add on to that real quick, because um, I think that's a really interesting point about kind of maybe some of the, the schools down south and what have you are sensing or even like some of the top Big Ten schools, whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, whatever, they're starting to sense that kind of weakness on the West Coast and they're trying mm-hmm. to come in. I think that was something that – we saw on the Dogman message boards when when we posted these things, and people were like, "Oh, LSU, they're coming in now. They're they're uh, they're smelling blood. You know, there's blood in the water and this kind of thing." I, I just, yeah, I, I kind of go with the way that you think about it in terms of, hey, they like this kid. They like this kid enough to offer, but how high up on the on the pecking order is he? When you really go into their war room and you look at their board, where's a guy like Owen Prentice going to fit? He's on their board. That's and that's a huge enough compliment on its own, but you know when you have a guy that's already announced his top six. And by the way, I, I kind of looked it up. It, instead of Oregon, it was ASU, but all the other ones were right. So Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA, and Washington. You know, I, I just think it's more yeah. kind of points to that general trend that the SEC schools, the, the top Big Ten schools, they're 
they're looking out west because, frankly, USC and UCLA have have not been uh, pulling their weight the last couple of years. But now USC is back in it, and I think they they're in it to win it. At least if you look at their recruiting so far. Chris, you've been to LSU. Let's kind of close your eyes for a minute and imagine a local kid from Seattle at a private school like O'Day and putting him down in that culture down in LSU because Baton Rouge ain't Seattle. I mean, that's a huge culture shock. I mean, huge culture shock. That's why I don't see it. Well, again... But there is Tigerland. There well, is Tigerland. Yeah, but a kid like Owen Prentice, Kim, he's not going to commit to LSU without going to the school and yeah. going to see it and seeing what it's all about and seeing Baton Rouge, seeing Louisiana, seeing New Orleans, seeing all the things that it has to offer. And you know what? I mean, I used to live in this area when I was in high school, and I went to a school in Walla Walla. And having that, having that smaller town experience was something that I really cherish and something that I didn't realize at the time how much it was going to mean to me. So I can't speak for Owen Prentice. I don't know if if uh, if uh, a place like LSU is going to fit him or not fit him. But you're right. I mean, it's, it is a massive culture shock. But maybe there are guys that are looking to get outside their comfort zone too. That being said, when you have a kid like Owen Prentice, who was already getting a ton of interest to begin with, and two weeks ago puts out his top six, and they're all West Coast schools, I think it's fair to say he wasn't looking to leave the West Coast, and I doubt an LSU offer is going to change that all that much. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Scott, one of the first commits, well, he was the first commit in the class of 2000 for um, University of Washington, Guard Memlar, the offensive lineman out of Idaho. I remember when... Um, we got the wolf on that and we found out who it was and it was one of those things we're scrambling to find out who he was but uh guard memoir you did a nice article on an opposition view i'm telling you scott he by the from the day he got the offer till right now that kid has changed physically he's a big kid absolutely a big kid you know he's Almost six five, and which surprised me a little bit. I thought he was a little taller than six five, but uh, almost six five. He's he's big. He's athletic. He's he can move. He can bend. That's one of the things that they talked about was just guys his size just don't bend that well. Typically, they're a little on the stiffer side. But I'm going to be honest with you. Other than being a few inches shorter, I see Caleb McGarry when I see Guard Memelar get out there and play. He's just that kind of an athlete and got that kind of a body. He's barrel chested. He's not one of those, you know, barrel all down the body. He's got that barrel chest. He's uh, pretty yoked up. And when he was standing next to Garen Hatchett a couple of times on the sideline, I swore he was taller than Garen Hatch and Scott Hatch, Scott. I thought yeah. he was taller. Yeah. I thought he was actually pretty close to the same size as, uh, Roger Rosengarten, who's about six, 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 seven. So, you know, I, I was a little surprised when I saw that, but yeah, six, four, six, five, he's, he's just got it all. I mean, he's, 
that chiseled guy. You know, I used to say all the time, Caleb McGarry is what you want your offensive lineman to look like when you when you picture these, you know, guys who are just huge and 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 strong and and cut and all that stuff and and guard memoir is going to follow right along in that same in that same vein small school in idaho not the greatest competition but a lot of the time that doesn't matter because they took the kid uh, robert Wersch out of uh california and boy he just seems like a, a piece of clay that uh, can be molded and i'm seeing kind of the same thing in guard memoir where you take that body type you take that athleticism and they don't have a lot of bad habits you just mold them the way you want well, Middleton, okay, just a little correction. Middleton isn't that small of a school. They play in the second highest uh, division for for uh, Idaho, I'm pretty sure. So, um, but that being said, yeah, I mean, he's he's from Idaho. You're just the competition level, and it's nothing against the kids over in Idaho. I'm sure they're way better athletes than I was when I was at my peak playing days and everything like that. But they're still they're not D, a, a lot of D1 guys come out of the state of Idaho and. And uh, what was the last big time guy to come out of there? Was it Christian? And, well, Tommy Togiai, but uh, Christian Hogue was he was a big time O lineman that signed with Notre Dame, but eventually ended up transferring to BYU. Correct? I believe yeah, so. Yeah. Tristan yeah. Hodge. Yeah, he yeah, yeah he was tr- at Notre Dame. Yeah, went to yeah, BYU. And, yeah, and I mean, he started for BYU I think last year against the Huskies, but he hasn't been the guy everybody thought he was going to be a world beater and and he was he's been okay but he transferred schools so you know i you know it's just it's really hard to gauge those guys so when when scott huff gets him in there gets him into camp and sees him after his sophomore year he just says i got to have this guy he makes him an offer and he commits pretty shortly thereafter and and uh you know washington had, didn't even really have i mean they they maintained his commitment but they didn't really have to cuz the guy didn't talk to anybody after he make it, made his commitment he didn't talk to any schools yeah, yeah just tell, a couple just a couple tell things, us about the outgoing personality of Art Memelar, scott tell us about the conversations yeah. you've had with him yeah, well, I mean, he's always been really good with me when he would take my calls, but eventually he just stopped talking to anybody. Uh, his mom told me, she's like, yeah, he just doesn't want to talk to anybody. And she says he liked talking to you, but yeah, he doesn't want to talk to anybody. He was getting calls from other websites and, and stuff all the time, texts, and that kind of freaks him out. And he just wanted to play football, hang out with his friends and family, and come and then end up at the University of Washington. As you should. Yeah, yeah. Tim, just a couple things I would add. Um First of all, just to give some context on Middleton, uh, same league, if I remember correctly, or at least same area as uh, Caldwell, which is where Cody Pickett went to school, for instance. So it's kind of that that type of area and, and the level of competition. And then also I would say with Memoir too, basketball player, you mentioned you mentioned R.J. Wersch. Um, I think you're, we're starting to see Scott Huff really going after. If he's going to go after these smaller school kids or guys that are would be maybe perceived as diamonds in the rough quote unquote these kids are going to be really really good athletes with upside and i think both with memolar and we're seeing with warsh too these are kids that are good kids come from good backgrounds basketball players good feet good athletes for being big kids and so that's I, I, you were starting to see maybe a little bit of a trend uh, with those types of guys. So maybe every year or every other year, don't be surprised if you follow Washington recruiting to see Scott Huff take one of these type of guys that 
you know, maybe is a, a little off the beaten path and, and, you know, look at the, you know, trying to find the bigger story there because usually you're going to find a really good athlete who's probably plays more than one sport. And Scott, you know, when you talk about just maybe a guy flying under the radar from a small school, it was real interesting listening to John Schneider after the NFL draft and he was talking about the guys that they took. And all of a sudden it took a real weird turn and they started talking about body profiling. And John Schneider was talking about how important that is in their evaluation process to have guys that meet their body profile standards. And I'm starting to see that a little bit at University of Washington, specifically along the offensive line. And the type seems to be huge. Well, okay. But I mean, everybody wants huge defensive linemen or offensive linemen. But Scott Huff wants his guys, for the most part, to be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and above. And he wants them to be versatile enough to play different positions. Yeah. No, it's interesting to see what Scott Huff has done along the offensive line. Because right now, if you take a look at the roster, and, you know, Chris, you've broken this down. How big that offensive line has become here recently? And does that have anything to do with the game against Alabama? No understanding that they needed to get bigger. Well, I don't know, Kim, because it... I think, you know, if people do go back and look at that breakdown, I think it was really fascinating. I had a lot of fun actually doing that because it was interesting to kind of uncover the trends, not just the general trends of guys getting bigger over the years, which obviously with the offensive line is true. And I'm actually working on the same thing with the defensive line, which is going to be much, much different. But if you look at it, it really does change by coach, too. I mean, you go with a guy like a Dan Cazetto, he liked all his guys. I don't know. It doesn't matter if they were 6'5 or 6'3 or 6'7. You know, he liked them all around that 300, you know, range. He just liked them that kind of size. You know, these guys, and I think Chris Peterson even talked about it, um, and Chris Strasser talked about it, you know, the first offensive line coach when Peterson came here. They don't really care how big or small the guys are. They just have to be supreme athletes. They just have to be at the size that they're at. They have to really be able to move and have a lot of flexibility, you know, be knee benders and that kind of thing. And I think you're finding that, you know, I, the trend was that in the early 2000s, you had some of the biggest lines, late 90s, when you had the lines with the Tony Coates and the, and the Benji Olsons and the, and the Chad Wards, and then you kept going. And the, the biggest off, one of the biggest offensive lines they had was the one during the winless season in 2008 where they were averaging 320-plus pounds a guy. Well, that really changed when Dan Cazetto came in with Steve Sarkeesian. And now it's starting to trend back up to the bigger guys because we're seeing that Chris Strasser and Scott Huff don't have a problem with playing guys that are 320, 330, 340 as long as they are supreme athletes. And you're, you know, like we kind of broke down with both Memoir and, um, and R.J. Wersch. You know, these guys are guys that have huge upside. So Wersch right now is 275. But does anybody have any, you know, looking at him physically and watching him on tape and seeing where he is, even as a basketball player, you know, he could come into Washington at 300 pounds. You know, he could easily gain, he's gained 30 pounds in the last few months. So this is a guy that that uh, could end up playing at 320, 330 very easily, given his size and given his frame. And like Scott says, and, and like you said, Kim, too, we, we we're just starting to see that trend for those guys getting bigger. But it's not at the expense of the athleticism. They they still want pure athletes. 
Scott, you put in a crystal ball prediction for a local wide receiver. Tell people a little bit about who we're talking about and why you put the crystal ball in. Well, I put it in for Kennedy Catholic 2021 wide receiver, uh, Jabez Tanay. And the reason I put that that uh, crystal ball in is there's a lot of different factors. Some of it's talking to different people, finding out that Washington is is a school he's kind of leaning to, um, knowing that he's got a strong relationship with Sam Heward, knowing that he's got a very good relationship with uh, Junior Adams, and that he's a little bit higher on Washington's board as a priority right now. I think they want to get him in the boat as soon as possible. Um, you know, I I – and I like the position that he plays. He plays. He's probably going to be a slot when he gets to the University of Washington. And if he's a slot guy, uh, they're not really in on any other slot guys. The rest of the guys they're in on are outside receivers, guys with speed, guys with a little bit more size. And so I just think when you add everything together, the fact that it's the local school, the fact that they've made a, a priority, his relationship with Sam Heward, I just have to believe that he's going to end up at the University of Washington. This is more of an educated guess at this point. I haven't heard anything about a commitment being imminent, but I wanted to get it out there and get the pick in. So that's why I made it. Scott, how many are they going to take? They're going to take three wide receivers? Uh, very good chance they'll take three. There is an outside shot they could take four, but I'd say three is probably the number. So if they take Tanay, who are the, who are the other two top priorities? I would say Xavier Worthy is probably the top guy. Well, okay, Emeka Buka, duh. That's a, that should be a duh for anyone. The kid from Stillicum, five-star guy, probably the best wide receiver that's come out of the state since Reggie Williams. And I'm including Casey Williams in that one. So um, just uber, uber talented athlete. And Washington, he is a take no matter. Washington could have 30 guys committed. They would take Emeka Buka. He is that talented. Um, so Emeka Buka would probably be number one on their list. Number two would probably be Troy Franklin. And number three would probably be Xavier Worthy at this point. If they were to get uh, two of the three of that group, would they still take Junior Alexander? I don't think so. That's just Junior my Alexander opinion. is the wide receiver. He's the other wide receiver at Kennedy, by the yeah, way, who plays and, with Sam Heard. Who is very talented. I just don't think they'd have room for him. I, I don't. I, I think if they got a Mecca and Troy Franklin, they'd call it a day. I think they got a Mecca and Xavier, they'd call it a day. Or Troy and Xavier, they'd call it a day. So um, <clears throat> at this point, I think they feel comfortable with the three that they're after. I know a Mecca Egbuka has been talking to Washington quite a bit. Um, he's still going to be a really tough pull for them. Um, I think the pull to go to Ohio State or Clemson is is really high right now for him. But you just never know. This COVID thing, as we've talked about, that kids might want to stay closer to home, not because they're scared they're going to get sick, but what if my mom or dad or my grandma gets sick with this and I want to be with them? Is it easier to be with them when you're a half-hour drive away or an hour drive away? Or is it easier when you have to take a flight and then drive from the airport? You know, I, I don't know. So um, a lot of these kids, the way they're thinking, it just kind of depends. I think uh, you're going to see they what it is. Steve Wilfong just put out a story on that. It could be a huge decommit season uh, from all these kids committing to these schools out of state and all that different stuff. And then all of a sudden we get toward the season and everything and everybody starts rethinking their decisions. So um, I think Washington if they were able to get any of any combination of the three that I listed, Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin, and Mecca Egbuka, I think they'd call it a day if they were able to get Jabez today as well. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You know, in recruiting, a lot of it's about finesse because you're always offering more kids than you're able to take. And with the guys that they've got that are interested in Washington and these are high-end guys, how do you finesse if uh, Junior Alexander calls the coaches and wants to commit today? How do you handle that? Um, I don't know. I don't know how you play that game. Uh, that could be a tough one. So um, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. They might tell him they might just be real straight up with him and say, at this point, they're not ready to take a commitment from any receivers, any outside receivers, because they want to they want to see how things shake out. I don't think that that's going to be a problem, though, Kim. So we're kind of typing talking in hypotheticals here. Hey, Scott, no, it's because, interesting. Because, well, Scott, I, because I was I actually think, sorry, Scott. Ahead, I was just going to ask real quick. Is there any comp to Jabez today? Um. Is he like a Bocelli type? Or what? I mean, what, oh, what no, kind no, of? No, no, he's he's better. He's bigger and better than Bocelli. Um, trying to think. Like Fuller? No, he's bigger than Fuller too, and a little stronger, a little bit better over the middle. Um, gosh, you know what? That's a that's a question you should have prepared me for, Chris, because I didn't really think about who I could come up with. Um, maybe. How about Scott Eklund in his younger days, out no. playing wide receiver at Central, a little bit. No, there? he's. He's three inches taller than I am and uh, much tougher. One of the big things about me was I, I didn't like going across the middle. So, And especially when I had some, now Sumner head coach Keith Ross standing there to destroy me as I came across the middle. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to you – know, you know who would probably be a, a good uh, example would be uh, Connor Weddington. Uh, same kind of build. Um, both are, are relatively shifty. They can make those inside plays and things like that. I think Connor Weddington would probably be, if, if you're talking a recent Husky, um, Jadon Mickens, no way too small, way too shifty. Um, I would probably say a, a slower ver. He's not much slower, but a slower version of Jermaine curse, maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just curious because it's, it just feels like there's a, there might be a situation where I mean, if it, it's interesting playing in the slot, but being a bigger guy, so I'm wondering. So, what about like a Pettis? Um, I yeah, I mean, you could say it from a from a height and weight standpoint, but I just think he's distributed a little bit bigger. I mean, his his lower body is much bigger than than Dante's was, yeah. and uh, he's got bigger legs. He's stronger. He's, I mean, when he catches the ball, he's kind of like a running back catching the ball. So um, I was going to say because that's that's where Weddington is the comp because Weddington once he gets the ball yeah. in his hands he's really running back. Yeah, it's what it kind of turns into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, next week, Pac-12 conference is going to have conference calls. I think it's was it four days in a row or three days in a row where we have access to every coach in the conference. It looks like it's pretty much a formatted type situation where they've got pre-formatted questions that they're going to ask the coaches and. We're able to butt in and, you know, maybe do some follow-up questions. But uh, it looks like Jimmy Lake will be available with a couple of other guys on Tuesday is what it looks like. Yeah, um, he's with Carl Durrell and Kyle Whittingham, I believe. Yeah, interesting. Carl Durrell, you know, he 
because he's been out of the conference for a while, you know, and he's now the head coach of uh, Colorado. So that's definitely going to be an interesting talk uh, with Carl Durrell. And for those who don't remember, he was the offensive coordinator here when Rick Neuheisel came. Was he here one year or two years, Chris? He was here for Neuheisel's first year in 99 and then moved to UCLA. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but, you know, of all the coaches we've ever dealt with, Carl Durrell's just a really genuinely nice guy. And he was a wide receivers coach at the Miami Dolphins. So anything with the coaches next week you guys are looking forward to hearing about? Well, it's going to be interesting because it's it's they're calling them webinars. So I think part of what that means is, first of all, Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Networks is going to be kind of hosting them. And so what it is is that they've had they have different topics. Like for this Tuesday webinar with Jimmy Lake and Carl Durrell and Kyle Whittingham, the theme is called Approach to Replacing Key Components from Last Year's Squad, especially at quarterback. So clearly all three of those coaches are going to be replacing their quarterbacks. So that's one thing that obviously they can talk about. So it sounds like the first half of these quote-unquote webinars are going to be these discussions around that theme with Yogi kind of asking the the, court, the the coaches questions. And then the last half is going to be when the media can uh, chime in and ask them questions too. So we're going to get a little bit of everything. Declan, final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, not a lot of final, final thoughts, man. It's hard to believe we're already into May, a, a week into May. And, um, you know, it's and the weather's going to be unbelievable this weekend. So, you know, and celebrating moms and all that stuff for all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day early. And, you know, I I uh, you know, I, it's weird because this is the time of year when we would see recruiting really pick up because the coaches are out on their their on the road and seeing kids and all that kind of stuff. And it's not going to be that way this year. So. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to June to see if they, they let the coaches get out on the roads. We'll, we'll see, um, if there's any camps, it doesn't sound like there's going to be any, but you just never know, I guess. So, um, it's, this is such a weird situation with, with all this stuff, with all the lockdowns and everything. And hopefully things are able to open up and, and we'll have some football this fall. But, uh, it, that, I mean, that's kind of the what everybody's bracing for every every day is any news coming out and they're hoping that it's good. Scott, any truth to the rumor you're going you're thinking about having one more child? Any truth to that rumor? Absolutely no truth. <laughs> I'm okay. not saying there haven't been discussions between the wife and I, but I have told her um, we're talking like Moses floating down the river kind of thing. I it would have to be something pretty miraculous. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think you need yeah, I think you need a daughter. I want to see Scott Eklund with a teenage daughter. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm totally good. Uh, Chris Fetters, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, a few. Um, first of all, I want to echo Scott's thoughts and wish every football mom out there a happy Mother's Day. I want to wish my mom a happy Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, we sent out all the presents and everything like that. So hopefully she'll enjoy her. Uh, you know, her Mother's Day. But, um, yeah, I just think that with so much time to kind of reflect on what's going on, um, I, I really get the sense that there are going to be some, some monumental changes going on with college football. Not just, you know, whether or not there's going to be a season. And there's enough debate on that, too, when you, you know, you hear that the, the governor from Oregon is saying that they're 
probably won't be any sporting events until at least through September, which would basically eliminate the entire non-conference schedule for both Oregon and Oregon State. That's pretty monumental. And then you have the governor from California basically saying he couldn't conceive of a stadium with fans in it um, until there's a vaccine in place or until they have something that they can secure people's health, you know, and make sure everyone is healthy. It's um, there's obviously so much time that to go until there, but um, it is interesting on that front. But I would also say it's given coaches a lot of time to think about things. And the NCAA obviously has had a lot of time to think about things. When you look at, you know, image rights, name likeness, you got coaches like Jim Harbaugh out there, you know, floating all these other ideas out there in terms of eligibility, which, you know, on the surface, is it the Michigan coach just hoping the uh, uh, all the Ohio State guys leave earlier and earlier, or is it legitimately time to really rethink and reframe this whole discussion about whether or not football players can be one and done? Because we all know that yeah. was never an issue before because of of the physicality of the game at the NFL level. So, so much stuff to talk about. I mean, I know the message boards. We've really tried to kind of keep them going, and there's so much discussion. I just look forward to seeing kind of what the next turns are going to be. A couple of cleanup items. Um, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Uh, for annual subscribers, if you haven't activated BS all access make sure to do so that is a uh, perk for all of our annual subscribers and during this time if you're looking for stuff to binge on there's a lot of good stuff out there on cbs all access and it is included it is free for the annual subscribers out there and just a real quick note on my mom she's 99 she still lives in her purple house and she has her ipad and I've had to scold my siblings because they keep on sending my mom links to these sites and YouTube. So I get a call and she's clicked on something that uh, she checks her email and she touches a YouTube video and then it's on autoplay and she doesn't know how to turn it off. I have to run over there. The Facebook links and then she thinks that the iPad is whack-a-mole with her finger. She just starts touching stuff and deletes her inbox, turns off the internet and God knows how she does that. But God bless her. She's 99. And she has an iPad. So all of you guys out there that are saying that you don't know how to learn all the technical stuff and it's just too hard. My mom's 99 and she's got an iPad, so I don't want to hear it. So I'll stop over and see my mom and have to fix that thing probably tomorrow or uh, Saturday or Sunday. So anyways, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Vetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 